Welcome back to the podcast here on episode 30. I'm having Jason Ferris from Fresno, California. Jason owns and operates Fres Yes, recently just joining up with EXP. He has over 75 plus agents. He has an email list that exceeds 70,000 signups, huge marketing mind, real estate coach, and had a lot of fun jam- jamming with Jason. We went for about an hour. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast and love to hear your feedback. What's up, brother? Jason Ferris. Thank you for joining me again. This is your second time on the podcast, by the way. I don't know if you even realize that. You know, I'm feeling pretty honored. I was wondering if this was, uh, I can't remember that first one. Was a was it a year ago or? Two years ago. Two first years time, ago now? First time you were on, well, a year and a half ago. It was in Anaheim uh, about a year and a half ago. So at a summit, Tom Ferry's summit. So I'm trying to work my way on up to the other podcast. Oh, the real word. Well, we'll get you yeah, on the real word. The we'll real word. I'm trying to get myself on the real word. We can do that soon. We can do the real word soon. I, Nicole will say yes. She loves having guests. She loves <laughs> it. She gets, she gets bored with me. She was bored uh, doing that show with me probably after about 20 episodes. Well, you've only had, I think, four guests on that show, right? You've we've had, had four. We've had TF. We've had Eric, broke agent. Agent. We had our, ML, our smart MLS CEO here, and then we had yes. a lender that we worked closely with recently on. Yeah. The talk about the rates with COVID and everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. Talking yeah. about the rates. We wanted to talk about the rates that week, and, and so we had Brian Fay on. But yeah, I mean, now that we've opened it up to four guests, I mean, you, you should have been on. You should have been on. You should have been on uh, right there, number three, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> so... I, I'm really curious to kind of see what's going on in your market. You're obviously Fresno, California, and people that are in real estate probably are even aware of your brand, Fres Yes. You're a local brand right there in your community. How important right now is it to be that local brand as a real estate brokerage? You know, I feel like since we've been this local brand for years now that we've kind of had the the inside path to uh, reaching people like when they needed it the most. Um, There's a lot of companies out there trying to reach the community, trying to support local. Um, And we we're real proud because we've been supporting local for years. It's, it's been our, our platform has always been to support our community. So, and um, well, let me just jump in there for people that don't, that maybe don't know you're really, you are the news channel. I, I hate using that word, but you're someone that shares the information of, I know we don't have events right now, but everything that is Fresno, everything that's going on, the email list is enormous. Yeah. So when people are looking for information on their community, that's non-biased and that's fun and engaging, they're going to you. Yeah. So for those who don't know the Fres Yes, it, that Fres Yes is more than just a play on the word Fres No. It really is. Uh, we take pride in, in being a resource for all that's good in our community. Um, I, I really enjoy telling those stories. We have over 8,000 stories on our website of uh, the people, the places, the lifestyle. Um, our most read newsletter has actually now become our Thursday newsletter which is what we call hot and happening. And it is what's going on uh, in our community Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It is now like read more often and opened more than our Saturday, which has been our go-to newsletter for years. Um, And so for us, this was like, when all this happened for us, it was just like, okay, let's just keep doing what we're doing, but maybe put a little more gasoline on the fire because our audience is at home each and every day. So let's not just put a lot of content Thursday and Saturday. Like let's go heavy every day of the week. I know and a so- little, I know a little bit about your business on Saturday. You were doing the featured property or, or is that part of the, in, in the newsletter, we do have a real estate component. So we've got a featured listing um, every, it used to be a first look. And then as you know, those rules changed and whether or not you could advertise a property early or not, it became more of a featured listing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a featured listing. It's our most clicked on thing in our newsletter every Saturday for sure. 
how big is the the newsletter now? So we are we have different one thing people don't know about our newsletters we actually have different versions of it if i looked at the entire of all the list together we're approaching about seventy thousand subscribers um but we'd say i'd say um 34 maybe thirty-five thousand are opening that unique opens every saturday right now wow right and then we're getting we just passed that on on our thursday newsletter now so we've been really ramping up this, this, uh, I don't want to say this pandemic has been good for anybody, but people are in front of their computers more, they're on their phones more and they're looking for content to absorb. And so what a better time for us to shine. And so we've been over indexing on our, our list, like cleaning it up. Like I'm unsubscribing people that haven't opened up that I can't reach on the phone every day so that when we come out of this, our list is more pure. Mm. You know, like I would rather have 50,000 people who are opening that uh, newsletter and replying to us uh, every week than 100 and only 30,000. Um, yeah. I like the idea of a pure, clean, heavily engaged audience. And, and, and supposedly, I mean, this is from Jason Pantana, suppose he's done more digging on it than, than I have, but supposedly your email list now, you know, if you're sending to, to Google or Hotmail, who are, you know, whoever's email accounts, it will react better when it's coming from a cleaner list, meaning you won't end up in as many people spam. And as new people sign up, it'll definitely go to their inbox. If, if it's operating from a cleaner list, the way I understand it, Jason would explain that much better than I just did. But you and TF and, and Jason, you know, you guys have all, Jason Pantana that is, have all encouraged me to really get into uh, consistent email newsletters. And we have been doing that now for, I would say, two years. And you're right on the money with one, being consistent, providing great value that's community driven, but that you will get business out of it. Why don't you tell me the number, you're getting listings out of it. I know this is a wacky market, but you're, you're picking up listings on a monthly basis from having that featured listing, that property feature in your newsletter, especially 70,000 people. That's so many people in your community that are paying attention to it. So they know if they're going to list their property, they want to be featured on this newsletter. Yeah, it's, an, it's been an interesting journey uh, with the newsletter over the years. And I've actually, I mean, I've really committed so much more to it over the, of the last three months. And I'm, I'm more excited now than I've ever been about it. But we do, we get, um, I'll go to a listing presentation and you know, a consultation and meeting with somebody or now we're doing virtual and they will say, like, I'll sign with you, but I want to make sure that I'm in the featured newsletter. Like I'm the featured home. Like they, they want that prestige. And I understand it. I would too. Like if I'm selling my home, I want as much exposure as I can. And so knowing that I'm going to have that many readers open up that email uh, and seeing my home not compared to anybody else's at that moment is worth something. Um, agents in our office loved their home to be the featured listing um, because that information, those people that are clicking go to the to our agent. And so now if you are Michelle and your house is the featured listing on that Saturday, you better be watching your email and you better be answering your phone because you're likely to get a phone call or an email on that property where you represent both the buyer and the seller. Yeah, it's going to so many people and I, you know, certainly we all need to be producing video first and uh, you know, doing as much social marketing as we possibly can. But at the end of the day, when you stare down at your phone, the three apps that are never moving from the bottom of anybody's phone are the actual phone, like calling people, email and text, yeah. right? So if email is not a powerful piece of your consistent marketing plan, you're going to be missing a ton of people that are opening that little icon, that, that app every single day and flipping through all, you know, there's, there's a lot of garbage in there, but yeah. And there's so much you can do with it when you have, when you've built your audience up and they're actually reading the content, like collaboration wise, like how great has it been for the local restaurants in our community to be able to 
for our readers to know that they're available curbside. But oh, they, for I mean, sure. We've created an entire Bible on it, right? And it's in our newsletter. And every time we update it, we're letting people know. And that was an easy thing for us to be able to do for our community. And it just reaches that many more people. I was, um, just, I was just talking to a restaurant owner who's a friend of mine. A lot of restaurant owners here have pivoted and done a really good job. And I've, I've done everything I can to support. I, I care You've deeply. You've done a good about, job with that, by the way. Thank you. I care deeply about the, about the restaurant industry. I want the restaurant industry to come back because I like hanging out in all of these restaurants. But one of my friends owns a, uh, he, he's been a client and a friend for over a decade. Just, you know, I met him just going into his restaurant. And anyway, he's got a uh, sushi place here locally. And he closed down initially. It was closed for about four weeks here and just opened back up. And he's just doing, obviously, you know, curbside pickup. And now he's set up to be able to do that. And he's not doing anything on social. He's like, hey, it's been going really good. I'm like, Jerry, imagine how many more people you would have if you just posted this. I'm going to go do a video for him tomorrow now that he's open. But if you were just posting this on Facebook and letting all – you have raving fans, tons of people that love your restaurant. And if you let them know what you were doing on Facebook and Instagram, he's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Like it's, you, don't, you don't need anybody to do this. It's not like I'm trying to do this for you. Just go and make a post and let people know that you're open for curbside pickup. Show them the video that you showed me. He texted me a great video. He built a little slot. Where he pulls the slot up. You know, they got the mask. They slide the food out. And, uh, That's cool. But not using, as a restaurant owner right now, not using these resources is insane. Most of them are doing it, doing a really good job. And then the, the people in the community like yourself that are helping those small businesses uh, get featured, it, it's really everything right now. So, And it's a lot of fun to be able to collaborate with, with different businesses and come up with uh, fun activities and um, or sponsor like, you know, a, a local company needed uh, that that's not in the food industry. Um, they fix phones, you know, and it was the, the guy had just opened his business and, you know, we didn't charge him anything, but we put him at the end of the newsletter and says, Hey, if your phone's broke, guess what? This place is still open because they're in the telecommunications field and they'll come to your house and pick it up and they'll practice safe CDC guidelines. And, and so to be able to help someone like that, and, it's cool. It's, but you got to be the, so if you're a real estate agent and you're, and you're listening to this, like you could start today. That's the fun part is like, yeah. you know, you don't get that, you don't get 20 or 30 or 70,000 overnight, but like, you're not going to have any if you don't start, you know, and, and you could get a hundred by the end of the week and then a hundred next week. And then that's 400 a month. And over the course of the year, you got five grand, like 5,000 people that you're and if you deliver good content consistently, Right. And, and then the other part of that that we don't talk about often is is replying. So people will reply to these newsletters. And if you don't reply back, then they just sit there and they feel like, oh, it's just automated. He's not really behind it. And so if you take this philosophy of no comment left behind and reply to every time someone takes the time to write you back on your email on their newsletter and say, oh, hey, thanks for this burger suggestion or, hey, thanks for this. If you reply and go, hey, no problem. Glad I could serve. Like that builds loyalty that goes to trust and they'll start sharing that newsletter um, out for you. And it gives them another reminder of who you are, right? Yeah. If I if I reply to a newsletter, thanks for the burger, uh, you know, select or, you know, thanks for featuring this restaurant. Thanks for sharing that menu. I'm going to, I'm going to go try, uh, this burger. Right. And you get no response. You start to forget who Frez yes is. You start to forget who Jason Ferris is, but when you get those replies all the time, consistently, it's another reminder, right? It's another piece of engagement. And it's for any business, you know, like if you're, if someone's listening to your podcast and they're in the insurance industry, like they could be doing this. Yeah. Um, that's the beauty about just serving the community is real estate could shut down tomorrow and we could not be selling homes and I could take that community and I could take it with me and, and, and be an insurance agent and still tell the stories of my community. And in that, that real estate newsletter is still of value. Real estate has been archaic in so many like markets, right? For so long across the country. Yeah. 
and certainly this is kind of breaking the mold, not with just a small business, but certainly, you know, in real estate and in the sense of how we operate with technology, but going back to just, or, or going into something that's traditional for sure, the brick and mortar, I'm sitting inside of our empty office uh, right now. And what's your thoughts on agents, teams, brokerages, and how they're going to utilize their offices, their physical space going forward. Do you think they're going to say we don't need the office because our people have gotten so good from working at home? Or do you think they're going to value the office space even more when we come out of this? If we're talking just about agents, um, you know, I honestly, I think that they're, it's difficult to work from home. Anybody who's worked from home, like deliberately, like I have, like I used to work from home, no matter how disciplined I was and how many alarms and different activities or best practices I followed, at the end of the day, I'm always more productive when I put myself in an office environment. You know, I dress a little different. Um, it's it just, there's a different level of productivity that comes when you surround yourself around other productive people and as cool as video is and zoom calls are like you're still missing that real connection that real energy that you feel it's like going to a football game in person like if somebody's never been to a professional or a high level college game in person like feeling that it's like going to a concert right like you can watch a concert online right there's lots of concerts online and they're great but it's completely different when you're actually there in person, like you feel the energy. And so I think that initially you'll get some people that will say, oh, I've learned to work from home just fine. And I think if we measure their performance moving forward, we'll see a decrease in, in what they do. And those agents that jump back into the office are like, oh, I missed it, you know, are, are going to be the ones that are thriving. Um, some staff people, like it's going to be interesting to see, like we have positions um, in our office. They're all, you know, they're working from home now. And some of them are saying, I feel like I'm more productive because I'm not being interrupted as frequently because maybe they don't have kids at home. And now the agents aren't there to bug them. Right. So, if you have, if you have kids, it's a total game changer, right? It's a different story from kids. kids versus no kids. Yeah, game changer if you have kids. So what we didn't do, which we're starting to do now, is uh, we've got a night, like take one of our transaction coordinators, for instance. They can handle about 60 files each, um, you know, at any given time, right? Now, that's not their ideal number, right? They'd probably rather be doing around 40, but they can do about 60. So it'd be interesting to see if I asked either of our head two TCs, working from home, did that number go up, stay the same, or go down? Hmm. I'm guessing they're going to say it's gone up. Um, one of their husbands that stopped by the office uh, briefly Friday to pick up a paycheck, and he says, man, you must love it because she's working more hours now than she did when she was here in the office. That's his perception. Because right? of the, the, there's no travel time, and he's perceiving that – she's on the computer all day or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And but, but what's your perception from the other side? Do you, well, we, so we, just, and not, I'm not talking about her specifically or that one individual, but overall the people that you have working from home, do you, do you believe you're, you're getting a higher level of productivity or is it less productivity? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few standouts that I think are putting in the same amount of work. Like the ones that are more involved in day to day, like they're, I don't think they've lost a step. Um, but the ones that are a little less supervised, I think that not on, I don't think that they're doing it deliberately. I just, I, I, I doubt that any of them could say, Oh yeah, I put in a solid eight hours. Yeah. I don't think anybody is deliberately less productive when they're working at home. Uh, but there's no question that the majority of people, not all, but the majority of people are less productive. There can be situations where if you're a video editor, right? Like Sam, or if you're a writer like Vanessa, you know, both people that work with me in the, on the marketing side where they, where if they're in a loud real estate office, 
you know, certainly Vanessa writing, right? When she's in the office and there's a lot of agents in there and it's loud and it's energetic, that can be very distracting for a writer who needs to sit down and have a quiet creative space or a video editor or, or a graphic designer even. But if you're in the game of the transaction on the real estate side, even a you know, transaction coordinator, I've seen things get lost in translation quite easily that are spelt out in plain English on an email because they're receiving the information differently than when you are verbalizing and you're standing in front of them exactly how something should be done. It's just the information information transmits the quickest when you're face to face. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, it's different times, you know, we're, 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 we're adapting, but I'm hoping that when they're allowed to, our agents flood back in here, they, that they're, and, and really we get that, that energy back. I miss that energy so bad. Like I know I do. Like, like I do too. Uh, well, you, you, speaking of offices, you just took uh, Fresias from an indie over to EXP, which is the king of virtual spaces, Jason. That is the virtual brokerage. So maybe they've told you you don't even need an office. I don't know. But tell us, there's been plenty of uh, indie brokerages. You're, you know, 75 plus agents. I saw... Uh, a bro- an indie brokerage in Arizona that was 900 agents. I think you spoke Chuck, to that. Chuck Fazio. He so, took the time to speak to me the day that the announcement came out. I spoke to him for about two hours. Good guy. Wow. Two hours on the day. I'm sure you got a lot of calls. So sounds like a really good guy. Why do you think EXP is, why did you go one and two, why are they seeing such an increase in their agent count this year. They shot up to number three in terms of transaction sides, over 130,000 transaction sides in 2019, uh, which was good for 36 plus billion. Why did you go one and number two? Why are so many others doing the same? Yeah. You know, um, it's a good question. And, and, you know, right after I made the switch, all of this happened. So I haven't really had a real opportunity to explain to people why I did. And I know this is probably going to seem silly to, to some, or they're not going to believe it. Um, but I did it honestly for my agents, you know, at the end of the day, um, the service I feel like the services and the technology and the training that EXP offers, I would never be able to do that by myself. Uh, as tech savvy as I am, is is on the pulse I am to technology and social media and marketing specifically, I just couldn't move fast enough to give them every resource available. And so that was bugging me. You know, what would take me a month to do, EXP is doing in a couple of days because they've got the resources to do it. And so that was itching me. Um, and then also, you know, quite frankly, there's a lot of commission compression these days, and uh, which puts less money in everybody's pockets down below. While the expectation to provide services as a real estate agent or as a broker is increasing. So people expecting more, but willing to, only willing to pay less. And so I felt like I needed to do something there. I, I, not that I wanted to be the last man standing, um, but I felt like there was definitely some writing on the wall. How are we as agents or how am I as a broker going to provide more services for the client, whether it's the agent or their client, the home buyer or home seller, and with less money? And, and so I looked at a lot of different models. Um, I looked at trying to duplicate EXP's model myself, but there were certain aspects I couldn't do even if I had some kind of venture capitalists come in with a bunch of money. Like I wasn't going to be able to offer stock or I wasn't going to be able to offer revenue share and, and you know how long it'd take me to build up the resource library for training. So at the end of the day, I just said, you know, look, I, I, I built my whole brand on uh, what's doing something for the community, doing better for others. 
And this seemed like that. It seemed like me saying to my agents, like, let me give you this opportunity. Now, let me be clear, they don't have to move, right? I mean, like, no one had to do it. I just said, here's an option that's available to you. And of course, almost all of them did. And I'm excited to, to see that for them. They're gonna be able to put m more money in their pocket um, and have more resources available to them. It will mean less money to me. So anybody who understands how to run a brokerage is looking at me like I've lost my mind. Um, but uh, I, I think it's more for me the long play than a short play. You know, um, what if as an agent, they had all of the services that Fresh Yes has, that offers, because we're still providing all those services, um, the good brand, right, in our community, Fresh Yes, everything we do for our community. Um, and they had uh, to pay less money every year out of their commission. Like, why wouldn't you move over? So for me, like, it's kind of like, why would you stay anywhere else? Why wouldn't you come here and have a great leader, have a good brand, have great technology, have a good split? Like, it's kind of the best of all worlds. And so um, for me, that, that's, that's why we did it. And why I think agents across the country, it's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's hard to resist. If you're a big giant brokerage, like I don't think you're getting gobbled up by EXP, but if you are a smaller independent, it's just hard. They do such a good job on so many different things. It's hard to ignore how beneficial it is for the agents. That's what Chuck Fazio, the guy who had 900 agents, I asked him, I said, um, well, he was on the brink there, right? 900. You start to creep up into a couple thousand agents. You're like, you know, you're starting to become a medium size, big size you know, broker. And he was offered a substantial amount of money to just take the money and, and be gone. And I asked him specifically, why didn't he take the offer? And his answer was quick. And he just says, what would that have left my agents with? Right. Like they would have left them. They would have woke up under a new brokerage the next morning. I would have taken my millions. And what would, what did they, what would they have gotten? He said, I live in this community. Like I wouldn't have felt good about that. And I'm the same way. Like, I mean, I, I've had offers to buy my company and certainly not the same price point Chuck did, but you know, I've had reasonable offers and I could have taken one of those and just walked away. But I, I live in this community more, more than it's, I live here because I love it, not just because my family's here. And so I think it's the best thing to do is you do what's right for others, invest in people, and then uh, it'll always come forward to you later. I think that's what Chuck did, right? He said, so, you know, I'm making some money still, but now all these other agents have more services and tech than I could have provided and, and uh, I'll still be okay. You know, you don't have to make our money from our broker, from our agents, right? As a broker. Yeah. And that's traditionally how it's always done, right? Like traditionally it's, you know, I make all my money from my, from my agents, from my agents. But now there's this ancillary businesses that are coming from real estate. People are getting to mortgages and escrows and title companies. Like they're getting into these other things. And uh, for me, like I've got a marketing and media company that, you know, can, can pay the bills. So why do I need to take it out from all my agents? Exactly. And, and, and the agents that want to buy into some of the programs or some of uh, the marketing services can do that, but they can still, and, and with how you've set it up, they can, they can still choose to do it, choose not to do it, tap into the training. If they don't want to tap into the marketing, they've got a lot of flexibility the way, the way you've set it up. More choices. Yeah. If you, if you were a, and you coach some of the top teams across the country. So if you were advising just an individual newly licensed agent that just got licensed as this kind of happened or right now while this is going on, would you encourage them to go with a hot, fast growing brokerage like EXP or would you still encourage them to really do their homework, do their research on the teams locally that are, that have, you know, market share that are, that are doing training, doing some of these, uh, you know, marketing offerings for their agents, or would you talk to them about going individual? What would you advise to a brand newly licensed agent in this current market climate? 
Yeah, for sure to do their research. I think every market's a little different. But let me share a little bit of a story that it's often skipped over. So when I transitioned from agricultural real estate sales to residential, I always tell the story how I went and interviewed to one company and that's where I went. And, that, and that's true. But I spent about two months on my own. And I learned quickly that I had no idea what I was doing. Like I know how to sell land, but I didn't know how to do anything in residential. Contracts were different. The systems, the processes weren't in place. Like, and so I spent two months having my own company and going, okay, that was a mistake. I better go interview. And so then I went and interviewed and went to work for a real estate, uh, residential real estate company, and then learned how to do residential real estate. So if I'm an independent agent, just get their, just getting their license, I, I would struggle with um, EXP a little bit. You know, my sensors went off. Did you see the, the lighting change? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would struggle with um, going just to EXP. Matter of fact, there's an agent in my office that from last week who said, hey, I went independent. I, I'm a newly licensed agent. I went to EXP and I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know how to sell locally. Like the training's there, but how do I actually do it? Well, unless you're with a team on EXP that has an office, I know right now we're not, we're not in offices, but in normal times, you know, where would you go outside of the virtual training webinars? You can get a lot. I mean, listen, TF gives a lot of his stuff away for, for free. If, if you were a new agent and you soaked up enough of TF's YouTube channel, you could learn a lot. But are you really being disciplined and held accountable no. to actually do that? You wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. So obviously do the research, but I think the best step for any brand new agent is to go to work for a team, right? Wherever, but a, a team and, uh, and learn and soak up everything you can and then decide whether or not staying with the team is something that really works for you or if maybe making your own team someday, that's fine. But the one thing that people don't talk about with teams often that's really important is um, the team leader, right? Like that team leader, the systems and processes that he or she has put in place are based upon what has worked for them, right? And then what's working in the marketplace today, they're spending money uh, and they're spending time researching and developing these systems and processes. So a brand new team member gets to, to enjoy that, right? And they get to learn from the best and surround themselves with other people who are trying to learn from the best. Like it's that dynamic that again, it's hard to get on zoom. It's why, I mean, I give you some props for your team, right? Like you guys are one of the hardest working teams in the industry. Like I know. Hashtag, I, hashtag hardest working team. Thanks to you. You gave us, you gave us that uh, tagline a couple of years ago. Now it's our mission statement. And it's really true though. I mean, I don't know another team in the industry that works as hard as yours, but you guys are working together, right? I mean, you guys have uh, training, right? You've got role play. You've got ability every to every day, not just like, oh, in the beginning when you're first launching your career, it's like Jordan, like Jordan, the documentary, by the way, if anybody oh, has to watch insane. it. It's insane. Oh, so good. But this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's like you're, you're a team of Jordans. Right. I mean, you're going up there and you're warming up every day. You're putting in the work every day before the game. Right. And then you're showing up with absolutely no belief that failure exists. Right. Like we go in there and we get the listing. Why? Because we work the hardest and deserve it the most. Is it not? It blows my mind how a great team like the Bulls has their approach was so individual to each team member. Okay. They really understood how each person ticked. And I don't know if you last night saw. I didn't watch last night's. Uh, episode three and four of this documentary last night. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be five weeks times two. So 10 different, um, you know, episodes as part of this documentary, but they, they let Dennis Rodman, in the middle of that 98 season, that sixth season, they let him go and have a vacation, as he called it. He wanted to go to Vegas. He, Scottie Pippen had been out for so long, and oh. he just had to get some shit out of his system, right? That he just had to get out and get away from everything. 
So Phil said to Michael, he's like, we got to let Dennis go. Michael's like, we're never going to get him back. He's never coming back, you know? And he went to Vegas. They said, we'll give you 48 hours. It was like, it was like over 80 hours before he came back, but they knew, they knew for Dennis Rodman, giving him this time to go let it all out, whatever, whatever he had to do in Vegas, which was a lot of drinking. There was, there were some clips of that Carmen Electra who's dating Carmen Electra at the time. They knew that was going to be beneficial to him being a part of the team for the remainder of the year and getting through a long playoff and championship run, right? And they, they just catered to everybody individually, despite the fact that Jordan was this extreme driver, a driver that the NBA has never seen since him and probably will never see. I mean, the guy was relentless in the way he would, ins- you know, inspire. I, I use inspire, but push and drive everybody around him to get the greatness out of them for the team, right? I mean, Jordan agreed when Phil Jackson came on to go from having the ball in his hands the majority of the time to not having it in that triangle offense. And people just see Jordan as this guy that just took over games. He was a team guy. That was a ridiculous team effort, those Bulls teams. Do you see him differently today now that you've seen so I mean, far the documentary? His, I know that they were concerned that people would look upon Jordan differently. Not me, because I've – you know, Jordan was somebody I followed and I, I've got his autograph hanging in my, in my home office on the wall. And, and I'm a huge Jordan apologist, you know, people like, Oh, I hear he's an asshole. And this, and I'm a huge Jordan apologist. The guy, I don't see him differently at all. I, you know, what I actually see is somebody who I thought pushed teammates away, who was, when you hear the teammates talk about him, yes, they say he was a driver. He was insane, but they respected him because he was working harder than anybody on those teams and Horace Grant said it's like man if you weren't showing up every day and putting in your full effort after he was doing what he was doing you just might as well stay home love that <laughs> yeah I mean we can we can talk about fired up just talking about it it's really good you got to go I'm sure episode three and four is going to be played on repeat over I'll watch them over. tonight I recorded them catch up on it oh you did good Catch up on those. They're really good. I haven't you know seen I, You know what I like they did about those recordings, by the way, is I noticed that you could record it with cursing or no cursing. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a new thing, but I just thought, how cool is that? Because, you know, sometimes you watch a movie like, you know, I've got a 13-year-old son, you know, and I know he hears cursing from time to time, but I want him to see this, this Jordan story, this documentary. And for me to have the option for him to, to watch it but not have to hear any curse words was cool. That right? is. It's like you watch a great movie and there's this one ridiculous sex scene that makes no reason or rhyme for it to be in there. Like, you know, and you got to have your son turn his eye. Like, you know, and so I love that. I just thought, how cool is that, that I've got an option here of recording it without the cursing? I like that. I, I haven't noticed that, but I'll need to be aware of it as Stella gets a little bit older, as my daughter gets a little bit older. I have what I, one thing I have noticed about the documentary is Facebook is hammering the commercials in the middle of this of this ESPN documentary when it goes to commercials. It's like this is the only thing I ever watch. Maybe they're doing it on a whole bunch of shows right now, but they're really aggressive on their TV commercials in this particular documentary. I don't know. Just thought that was a little interesting. Facebook's. Oh. Facebook is uh, trying to reach everybody. They're figuring the last people that they don't have must be on cable TV and they'll suck them out of there. You know? Well, you think about how less expensive advertising dollars are right now. Facebook, I'm sure, realizes that and they can reach these the sports demographic. There's no live sports going on right now. No. If you're a sports fan, you're probably watching this documentary so Facebook can probably buy up some some ads on the cheap right now and, and get in front of those people who are normally, you know, not available at this cost per click. So, yeah, well, yeah, on the on the TV ad for sure. And then on the flip side, on the Facebook ads themselves, I mean, if you're a real estate agent right now, your dollars getting stretched a lot further than it was just a couple months ago on these Facebook and YouTube pre-roll or Instagram ads. Oh, yeah. It, it's, the cost is down so much. It is. 
and the opportunity is up to go ahead and, and brand yourself in your community and, and start to take some of that market share. Uh, 50, or 60 percent less, 50 or 60% less. Um, it's amazing. So if, if, if there's someone watching this or listening and they are thinking about getting into, you know, branding themselves, like now is the time because you're going to get in there at such less money than you've ever been able to get in there at. Um, and there's so many more people watching, you know, and so it's just, it's a great time. Everyone's laying off. There's a lot of opportunity there. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap this up, I want to get into Zillow just a little bit. Yeah. All right. So one of your favorite topics. I love talking about Zillow. You know that I I can't (laughs) get enough of Zillow. I love actually. Where's, Where's Nicole White? Where is she? She's like, oh, you're going to talk about Zillow again? No, for, <laughs> for our team, Zillow has been a huge benefit for us going through this. We're on the flex program here in our counties, in two of the three counties we work in. It's been a huge benefit because they still have the leads, right, during all of this. But when, when all this kind of happened, I was like, man, Zillow, you know what? They're... Uh, Zillow offers program, the ability for people to just go online and get instant offers. I was like, that's going to go through the roof. The minute I said that Zillow, Redfin, uh, open door pulled back on buying properties. They completely stopped stone cold stopped. And it really like, I'm like, I get it for Redfin. They, they've been in business for you know 18 years or whatever and never made a dime. Not that Zillow's made any money. I just feel like Zillow's a much more powerful brand than Redfin is or will ever be. Uh, an open door, you know, that didn't surprise me either because they have so much debt. And I know Zillow does too, but I thought that'd be the opportunity for Zillow to say, you know what, while they're hanging back, we're really going to take over this iBuyer market. Brad Inman at the beginning of the year said by the end of this year, 50% of the transactions are going to be iBuyers, which I said from day one, 2020, whether this happened or not was an absolute racket, if you will. But why do you think Zillow completely stopped buying properties? You know, and this isn't, I mean, so in full disclosure, I'm on the Zillow advisory board. I, I didn't know if you were going to go there. It was, you know. Yeah, I, I, so, but that being said, this question has not been answered. Um, and, and so I, I can't tell you that I've been in a room or on a, uh, on, a, on a Zoom call and heard an answer to this by anybody. So when I answer, I'm just speculating, you know, as, as Jason. And I think everyone just knee-jerked. I do. I think they all knee jerked and said, Whoa, uh, I'm scared for a moment. I Because a better plan to me would have been like, let's really change our offering, right? They were offering like close to market value on some of these homes, but why don't we just reduce our offering dramatically? Yeah, I think they like, just knee jerked, like, Oh shit. You know, what does this all mean? I think everyone, that's my gut. But, but the other side of that is remember that, um, you, you know, it's not a true buy online. Like there's still a physical inspection. Oh, there's yeah. still things that they weren't sure how they would do. And it might expose that process a little bit. Like, oh, so you really do need us or you really do need the home inspect. So it, it, I think it's just created a lot of uncertainty. My guess is that you will see them come back sooner than later, but how it affects the economy. I, you know, the Zillow's got some pretty smart people working for them, right? Like, you know, let's not kid ourselves. And so, you know, I'm sure they're trying to figure out what all this means. And once they can figure that out, I'm sure they're going to jump back in. Um, But I don't think a lot of people really know how, deeply it's going to affect our economy in the long run. I mean, every day it seems like I run into somebody else who points out an industry that I hadn't thought about before. It was like a week ago, one of my buddies says, think about the airline industry. You know, like, how are we going to do that? Like, they're going to take a seat, no seat, a seat, are they going to put shields all around us? Like, how much is it going to cost to fly when you can only get 50% occupancy? You know, when will Disneyland come back? Are they really going to separate people six feet and, and everyone's wearing gloves like here's a crazy one 
think about the hospitals. Hospitals are used to getting a certain amount of income, right? They're laying people off. Hospitals are laying people off in this country because people are afraid or have been told that they can't go to the hospital unless they have the virus, right? right. My best friend works. And then when the virus numbers were way down, which not way down, meaning there's, there's high numbers, but off of the projections and what the hospitals were preparing for, these numbers are not there. They're not that high. So the hospitals literally, some of them need business. Yeah. My best friend works at, at a hospital and he was not laid off with the recent 175 of them were. Um, but, you know, I'm on the phone with him constantly and he says that, like, there's just nobody here. He's like, Jay, there's just nobody here. They're afraid to come in or look, they're not driving around in their cars as often. So there's not as many car wrecks. They're not doing uh, athletic events. There's less broken bones. He's like, it's just, nobody's here. It's like, I, what are we, we're sitting around doing nothing. The people in the cafeteria have no one to feed. He said, so we're just going to have to continue to lay people off until those activities that we used to do all the time come back into play. We're doing nothing out here. We're getting soft. Yeah, we're getting soft. No. Yeah, so I think this, to answer your question on Zillow's, I think it was a need, my gut tells me it was a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. And now they've stopped. They're able to say, okay, when's the right time to jump back in? Um, I, I think what we're also going to see on Zillow is I think they're going to move uh, more of the agents to the flex program quicker than, than later. I think they um, should. I think they should. It's I think they should too. I know they're cleaning up with us. They're making way more money than they would have if they were selling us leads. So that Yeah, I don't think the real estate agents understand that at the end of the day, like Zillow collects more money off of the flex program than they do off of the advertising dollars, but the agents really enjoy not having to put that money up front. And just think about once they start creeping that referral fee up past forty, <laughs> past forty five. Well, you know, like they were originally going to hit some numbers like that. And uh, yeah. they didn't want people to freak out, but they'll just, they'll drip on us here over the well, next five years. But that's, that's, that's kind of brings us full circle. I mean, that is why now more than ever, it's important that real estate agents, brokers, small teams, they all really over index on building their brand right now and yeah. building their list. Like we have to be list builders. And I don't mean like have, 100,000 people in your database that you know nothing about. I mean, like figuring out how to connect at scale with as many people. Like there's a, and I always forget his name, Byron, maybe you're better at this than me. Who wrote that, uh, the, the book on a thousand true fans? I don't know. No, I don't know that one. Uh, there's, a th there's this concept of a thousand true fans, but, I, I, but that's what I'm talking about is, is if you had a thousand people out there advocating for your brand all the time, you'd never need to do anything else. Right. And, and so imagine if you've got 5,000, you know, when I was in the, I loved it one day, I was working out at the gym. This goes years back before the weight loss. I was working out and I kind of hit a plateau and I'm on the punching bag with this guy and he leans forward and says, um, Hey, like you look good. He said, but you kind of plateaued. And I said, yeah, He's like, you know, when I plateaued, I went and saw this nutritionist that really made a difference to me. And I said, yeah, I said, uh, nutritionist. And he said, yeah, you know, if you're interested, you know, after class, I'll give you his number. So I literally asked him after class, I said, yeah, like, yeah, I've been stuck at this weight for, for months. Like, I would love to know his name. So he gives me the name of this guy named Kevin Hall, who I went and saw and became a client of. And I introduced him to my mom and to several other people. But there was no referral fee or anything for between Kevin Hall and this guy at the gym. It was just, he was a raving fan. Mm -hmm. He was a raving fan of Kevin Hall because Kevin Hall had provided value to this young guy over the years. And he, was, and he was happy to help him because of the relationship, because of the brand, because of whatever. And you're absolutely right. Agents right now stepping in today, been in the business decades, whatever the case may be, need to take a page out of the Frez Yes book that you've built, Jason, and really invest back into their community. So none of the other stuff, the disruption stuff, will well, so let me let me ask Let me ask you, because you're taking a page out of this. I mean, you are in your community right now going to these restaurants and, and eating their food, right? Like when they need it you most, you're out there with a camera and people are able to see the location, what their venue looks like, the food, like 
you're doing all this for them. So when we're all able to resume our normal lives, like what's step two? So how are you going to stay in contact with those restaurant owners and provide value for them next week or next month? Because right now what you're doing is acting very trustworthy and building the Byron Lazine brand, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And giving back and helping. Giving them back. With, I mean, you're not doing it for Yeah. But no, yeah. It, I mean, it, hey, this is how you do it. You are yeah. an example of how you do it. And then how am I going to do it going forward? Like yeah. when they open back up? I mean, here's the thing. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is because I spend a lot of time in these local restaurants. I'll host meetings there in the afternoon often. I'll go out to dinner with my wife often at these places. I typically, you know, before this happened, would eat lunch out seven days a week or have lunch brought into the office rather and then have a dinner or, or a cocktail hour out. So yeah. I'm going to continue to see them hopefully, right, very soon, see these guys face to face. But to your point, I'm going to continue to promote them on my uh, social media platforms, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, certainly as they get going, letting people know, hey, you know, this one set up their seating this way and, and continuing to let the community know that it's, it is safe to go to these places, yeah. probably safer than your big box grocery store, by the way. Think about that. You, you want to keep people in your community from getting sick, but let's all encourage them to go to this one place everybody in the community has got to go to the same place it's enclosed it's called your grocery store as opposed to going to a restaurant where they're bringing the food out to your car and wearing a mask to me that's a lot safer the in the parking lot experience with them bringing it out to your car than going into the same building that all of my neighbors that's just a little side rant there but uh yeah what i'm going to do is i'm actually going to get in there and spend my money in these establishments and invite people to come with me. Uh, and I love that. Inviting people to come with you. I love that part too. Dude, I always love jamming with you. We've got to do this again. Definitely have to have you on the real word. I'm going to let Nicole know you're going to be the fifth guest. Dude, I want on. that. I want that so bad. I want All to right? be able to hear that. You know, word is up. Let's you know? do it. Let's, <laughs> let's do it in May. We're going to make it happen. You're on in May. Love uh, it. We'll pick the Tuesday that works. We I, want record vote, I want to vote on a racket and I, and I want to vote on marketeer of the, of the week. Those are my, <laughs> I love the marketeer of the week. I keep Absolutely. on trying to figure out what I can do to like elevate my game to be in consideration <laughs> for marketer of the week. You should have, you should have already won one. We talk about your email list there, but <laughs> you're on in May. It's, we, we record early on Tuesday. So your time, it'll be like 7 a.m. Your time on a Tuesday. I know you're down with that. <laughs> All right, my man. Really right, appreciate thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, be healthy. If, if you're listening to this or watching, go check out Fred's Yes and uh, see what Jason's up to. All right. Thanks a lot, Byron. Thank you.